the craft store oh, fine. you did and then i would go on the intercom when i was an undergrad and then my manager was like you need to do voice work i was like Hook are me you up. serious Tell me somebody yeah did but they know no they didn't know i'm sorry every time i go to michael's no me no answer to anything <laughs> so, <laughs> that does not surprise me like can i get like i don't know like um let's see james um, l jones james l jones that'd be amazing or like Idris Elba. Ooh, I would love Idris I was, Elba. Okay, I was thinking of him too. Yes. Yes. Idris Elba and Max. We need to be like, hello. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I we need y'all to be on Siri. I mean, I would love to have Max's voice as my Siri. I mean, that might affect our personal interaction. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything. Sometimes we get messy. And it all counts as art because we say so. I'm Mel. I'm black and a woman and an artist. Which pretty much means that every day somebody somewhere has to try it with me. But I'm still here, I think. This week, I'm a professional Zoom calendar organizer. I sell discounted Netflix logins. And I'm also writing a book entitled Blackfishing Redux Racism. Yo, what's up? This is Maximiliano. The performance known as Maximiliano, monominously. Future memes as art is my future. Coming live from the NTP studios with our Freedom Ship program, who all going to be there? Welcome, listeners, new and long timers. Support us via Patreon with Patreon-exclusive podcast episodes, uncensored and illicit NC-17 stuff. Our Etsy store houses many an NTP publication, totes, buttons, teens. That's probably say teens. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Tees, caps. Mucks, etc. Coffins. Email us at Nat Turner Project 
zero at gmail.com. Send reviews, questions, comments, cancellations along. We are on all streaming servers. So search who all going to be there and buckle up. I only have one life to leave for Nat Turner Project. Chinani. So what is they clan any? So today we are really, really excited after a long, unexpected hiatus to be chatting with artist Christine Miller. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm good. How are y'all? Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, I just want to read a little bit of Christine's bio here. So Christine Miller is a conceptual artist and curator currently based in Portland, Oregon. Her work centers around racial imagery, products, and histories while simultaneously reframing her own cultural identity. In addition to her own work, Christine's curatorial practice centers on bringing underrepresented contemporary artists to the front of the Portland art community and beyond. Welcome. Cool. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for being here. For sure. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. First off, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Trying to make changes day by day and choose myself and create boundaries and also honor my desires every day. And yeah, some days I fall short, some hours I fall short, but overall really good. How are y'all? How are you showing up today? Um, well, if I'm being honest, I am exhausted. Um, I feel like too much has been asked of me in the past year or so. Um, I'm questioning ideas of labor and what is expected during a time of crisis. Um, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile my thoughts on that versus the reality that I'm living in. Um, and trying to like deal with that in within the context of someone who deals with chronic illness and all of that, all that that entails. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> Cut and dry. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, we're excited to have you here. Um, and uh, yeah, again, thank you for being here. And um, yeah, to get into, um, I guess, our first official question. Um, you know, your bio speaks about, uh, your, your different, um, aspects of your art. And I was just curious to hear about, um, your curatorial practice and, um, maybe, yeah, like what past projects and like upcoming projects. Um, and if there's like a, a certain way or method you have to your curation. Sure. Um, it's funny. I was having this conversation with, um, a colleague and I'm like, I'm not a curator. Like, I don't even want to put that title on. Like, I curate um, and curate spaces when I feel like there's a need. So if there's an empty space, um, and I think space is one of those interesting places living here, specifically as um, a Black creative, a Black person, a Black woman, um, and not seeing yourself in a lot of spaces. So if there's just ever an opportunity where there's blank space or someone needs something taken up, um, I'm there at the forefront and like, I want to put other people on. I want to um, show this other person's work. I want to show my work. So it's more like a action word other than like a title I would want to give myself. So yeah, so I'm an artist who curates instead of an artist and a curator. And I felt, I, you know, it's funny. Um, 
I felt like it took a long time to get there, um, especially after thinking about applying to certain things and doing certain projects. I'm like, this isn't this isn't my first and foremost. Like, I just saw a need and wanted to fill that hole and also give other people a chance and give other people power to tell their story and take up space as well. As like, I think that's interesting to think about like, yeah, like as an artist who curates um, with that, like how do you know to like, I don't know, maybe you don't work like this, but like dividing your time between like your own art practice versus being like, Oh, I'm going to like get this like opportunity or this space to like showcase um, a show I have in mind or like work with these other artists like what um yeah like or maybe like what's your approach or like is there a way you like divide your time between that mm, I don't know I don't think so I'm all over the place almost all the time so it's just like okay if this feels right if um there's green flags if there's no red flags like me I would never do a space with carpet like I just have a superstition <laughs> about carpet and I remember being asked to do like either one or two places with carpet and at first I was like oh maybe I should do it and I was just like no no like space aside like me and how I feel go- comes first and foremost and I refuse to do this I didn't say it in that way but I had to tell myself like this is not beneficial what you need um I don't think I answered the question I just had to bring up the carpet but um I think if it's a worthwhile space or worthwhile opportunity you know, that's when I do it. It's just like, okay, I feel it in my gut. Um, or I already have something in mind that I can do, or this is worth kind of spinning my wheels around to see how it is. Um, haven't missed yet. So yeah. And I mean, it comes, it doesn't come like super, super often turned down a few different things. Um, so it's been good. No, not because of carpet. (laughs) One was because of linoleum and I was just like, Oh, I don't like this flooring. But if I think a space is beautiful, and that um, something could be done with it, then for sure. The space has to speak also. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I answered the question. The space tells me. That's how I divide the time. Okay. If the space tells me, then it's just like, okay, we can do this. But um, I'm doing something currently at Blackfish of a window curation. Yeah. And um, it's with nine black artists here who are based in Portland for the most part. And um, that's the first time I'm curating something that doesn't have my own work in it, along with a magazine project that I'm curating. Um, and I don't have my work in it either. So it's really about just playing with other visuals and, um, you know, y'all went to art school, making collections yeah. and making things cohesive. I feel like that's like, that's like that middle part of right brain, left brain of, um, you know, of, of making things kind of flow. Which is a whole technical thing in and of itself, but yeah, it's a different type of art practice. Yeah, but I don't want to be a curator, and it's okay. <laughs> so, um, I think one of the first shows where I came to know you as a curator was the Brown Sugar Where We At show, yeah. um, which I think was in my opinion, an epic um, curation and an epic show. Um, mm-hmm. Just in terms of, like, the artists that were involved, um, as well as, like, this interesting sort of intersection of the constituencies and the audience. 
um, that actually came to the show. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how that show came together and like some of the takeaways that you like got from that experience as like an artist and a curator? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's so funny. It seems like so long ago. I know. I know. <laughs> you ever look at projects you do a long time ago and you're just like, oh, I wish I would have done that differently or done that differently. But then just having to kind of accept like, you know, hey, that was it was green in that space and had a lot to learn, but still did it. And it's OK. But um, I kind of I started it from just from a place of frustration, funny enough, yeah. because a um, it was hard to show my work because I've always worked with like Jim Crow memorabilia and I would go to other black cohorts who didn't want to really work with that type of stuff. And I was just like, well, shit, like if, can I curse on him? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, oh We're shit. Explicit. Okay. I'm like, if, if like, you know, I'm like, who else, but like someone who's dark, who's a black woman, who's still, um, you know, um, see some of the effects of this racial imagery isn't going to talk about it. Like who else will. Right. So it was that, but then also, I was going to all these like art shows and it was always white men, white women, Asian, normally an Asian man and some other people of color and then black men. And I'm just like, well, we're a black women who are creating. I'm like, we're here, you know, um, we're creating. I know a slew of them. I'm sure I could find them. And it wasn't I didn't see any of us in these spaces. Um, so. I was talking to a friend and she's like, well, why don't you just do your own thing? And she just said it so like casually. And I'm like, why didn't I think about that? So um, just did some due diligence of, um, you know, finding a space, super shout out to Gage um, and tips on failing mm -hmm. and um, sent him a proposal. And um, I look at that proposal now and I'm just like, this is so embarrassing, but you know, that's when you, you take chances on people, you know, and, and even though everything wasn't, all the ducks weren't in a row, um, still took a chance. It's almost like we was talking about with that, those institutional things. It wasn't like, I didn't have a CV. I didn't have um, a resume. It wasn't like he asked me to show a resume of all these people. He was just like, yeah, you know, sure. Why not use the space and, and get some help and stuff like that? Um, and I remember speaking to somebody else and he's like, just go up to the rack office or just call. And um, went up to the rack office and um, I spoke to Ella mm. and she's like, oh, sure. You know, miss her. Where is she? I haven't seen her in a while. They are curating a show that I'm in tomorrow. Oh, no, no, no. Not from not Ella from Portland Art Museum oh, okay. um, from Rack. Rack. Yes. Oh, Rack has gone under some sort of uh, what do they call it? Restructuring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't seen. But she was she was just so. So beautiful, so nice. Yeah. And um, again, no CV, no resume. It was just like, this is the problem I see. This is what I want to do. Like, yeah. is there any sort of funding? Is there any sort of anything? And um, she helped me get it out. Yeah. And and it was really just through connection of saying, like, I'm going places. I'm a black woman. I don't see any black artists that are in the forefront. Yeah. Um, what can we do? Or can we show the show? And the love was just so abundant, mm -hmm. so abundant. And it really was through connection. And I'm like, it was one of those situations where it's like, uh, you ever heard people use that metaphor? Beyonce could find 17 black trombone players. And I'm just like, I found 10 black women 
who are incredible creators here, mm -hmm. there should be no excuse or no reason to not have more in the forefront. Um, and again, right, it's not a thing that they, they didn't exist, right, or wasn't right. even showing. But as a new person who didn't know um, all the spaces, especially like the underground spaces or like some of the really um, established art spaces here, if you're going to shows that Nike is putting on a widen or just, you know, the immediate spaces that you know, um, yeah, it felt pretty invisible. So that was the result of that. Yeah. And I made sure to, I mean, I didn't know how any of the shit worked. It was like, well, I'm going to reach out to this gallery because I like their space and this place. And, um, you know, it wasn't even so much about anyone buying mm -hmm. as much as it was about um, opportunity and visibility. And a few people I know was able to, including myself, was able to catapult into something else from those connections and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Always solving problems. That's the plan. <laughs> What do you think about um you like kind of like spoke to this a little bit but what do you think about um curators or like making a show or like curating a show but then like showing your own work in it compared to not and then do you think that's like a curatorial faux pas um cuz like I also as somebody that like curates shows and puts my own work in it mm -hmm. um cuz I but I know I know other people that do it too but I also know that like a lot of people see that as like uh in bad taste but, I, but like to me as like F it I'm trying to like have opportunities um, but also yeah so I'm just curious about what you think about it I'm so, that was like literally the first thing I wanted to say I don't give a fuck <laughs> like <laughs> it's like who cares unless you're paying my bills unless you're giving me a check to not put my shit in there who the fuck cares <laughs> and I mean again I'm speaking as someone who's an artist who curates like I'm not a curator so I mean I think first off it's funny that that is a um, you said you said faux pas. Oh, okay. Wait, okay. I know it's faux pas. I don't know why I was thinking of faux pas. It's the vodka, <laughs> but I was just like, wait, faux pas. I know that's something else, and I'm just like, never mind. But and it's just vodka, like um, we mean breakers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's exhausting to make work and then also wrangle people at the same time so that's like a whole extra superpower so i don't understand why that would be frowned upon especially if your idea if you're curating a story it's like your story and your idea is almost like the nucleus of everything so it's just like why shouldn't you show your own work and just show how other people's work expands to something else that's wild See, I don't live in that world. <laughs> Christine likes to do what she wants to fucking do. And that's it. And I will say that I I personally feel that a lot of those rules um, and sort of standards of behavior are arbitrary and sort of support the infrastructure of like white supremacy in the art world. You, you got to expand on that. I just like why go off melanie go I'm off just... <laughs> i know she wants to like why would it be a faux pas to put your own work in a show as a curator you know yeah that's just like if you feel that your work kind of fits within the standard of the themes that are being explored why not you know yeah you, i mean do you feel like there's a conflict of interest there um Sometimes. I mean, I don't know if it's a conflict of interest um, as like, you know, from my own experiences, 
it feels like this weird kind of like switching of hats that um maybe you know sometimes it feels easier to not switch the hats like but Mm -hmm. it doesn't like want me to stop from doing it or like see but i can see this like faux pas or like maybe i can i mean i can see the the perception of it of being like oh you're like um having this opportunity for this reason or for this like concept or whatever but i can also see what you're saying about like if you fit in the concept right but um like uh i think for me i'm just thinking about like my most recent time and i think like it feels like this weird power dynamic um because i feel like if I wasn't curating myself, I'm not worried about like, if I'm only coming at a show from an artist, I'm constantly being like, I need, I need that space. I want that big wall. I want the main space. But as a curator, I was like, I can't put my work in mm. the main space. Right. So it's like, I feel so like you have to like check yourself. Yeah. So I feel like time. as if like, if I'm curating my own work, it's like, all right, well, the, I'm going to give myself like maybe like the least space mm. or whatever, because I was like, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking about these other artists that I'm showing and trying to like, facilitate their visions but then if i'm like just a member of the show i'm of course i'm gonna be the the leaky wheel or whatever the the rusty nail or whatever be like no i want that no i need more cords my the lighting's wrong you need to move this piece away from me (laughs) you know but like you feel like you can't you can't you know advocate for yourself it's like how do you yeah how do you advocate it's like playing you know as a little kid i would play like chess with myself it's like how do you uh how do you advocate for yourself as an artist versus like ego management yourself as a curator because <laughs> mm. i feel like so much of curating or like facilitating is is like as you said like wrangling people and yeah. like dealing with pers- personalities and it's like oh how do you deal with your own personality um so i don't know it, it, it becomes like a like Sounds a book like of a philosophy guilt thing yeah because yeah. <laughs> i mean like me what if the space <laughs> says like hey your work belongs there or if you have the largest piece then i'd be like give me a solo show like fuck with these other people <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. okay. My, th- my thing is if the checks are the same i think it's all right we splitting this evenly mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. you know but i mean i go back to what you originally said like in general as someone who's always at this point in my life is always going to venture down the path of least resistance i'm gonna do the least amount of work so if I'm going to take on a second hat, it's going to yeah. be the least amount of work. Right, right. Yeah. Like, so if I even venture in that direction. Yeah. And I think that should be celebrated. Yeah. Because like you said, it's not the least amount of work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually even, it's almost double the work getting your work together mm-hmm. and then also getting people together. So, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about... um? failure and like how you approach that in art or in life and in pursuing um ideas or like things you want but also like in your making process Mm. i like that question say it one more time what do you think about failure like in terms of like your art but also like the the um project you're pursuing but also within your own like making Okay, so I'm going to answer this indirectly, but, like, it's still direct in a certain way. But um, I think about these things called, like, cosmic stops. Like, when you do something or something is supposed to work out, like, it just makes all the sense for it to work out. And then it just doesn't, right? Like, I remember before I was applying for a job or a type of job, 
And it just made all the sense why I should get this type of job. And I did it. And um, I ended up getting a different job, going back to school, and then finally coming to the point where I'm just like, oh, I actually hate this field. And what I'm doing now feels so fulfilling. But I think about like, oh, what if I did get this job, right? Like I would have been probably miserable and having to start all over again. So in terms of failure, I don't know. Because it's, it's okay to, I don't think failure is a bad word, but I think it's the way that it's looked upon. Um, almost like we was talking about earlier, the people who try the most, you know, um, get nose a lot. And it's funny because when I was like trying to, like before, like the brown sugar and, and things like that, I was getting no consistently. Mm. But it's like not stopping. And now like the nose are getting a lot less and far and few between. Still getting nose. But, like, it's funny because even now it's just like, all right, you know, I'm still sitting on my other yeses and wins and still busy from other things I've been doing. Um, But I think failure has come to um, show me how to pivot. And now I'm pivoting more quicker. And I think that's been an incredible lesson from it all. I mean, because, I mean, at the end of the day, your work or work is not for everybody, right? And I feel like the more no's that I've gotten, but then balance that with more yeses, I'm just like, okay, you know, um, don't still don't change for certain things and still have some sort of um, belief in what you did. And I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, what if I changed all the work and the stuff that I thought was important a long time ago because of all my no's, right? I wouldn't be where I'm, where I'm at or doing all the cool shit that I'm doing. Um, because I didn't do it to be cool. I didn't even get it. I didn't even do it for approval. I did it to make sense out of my experience of colorism and anti-blackness growing up. And which is why I studied anti-black um, imagery. And I was working on those projects for a very long time. Um, but it wasn't at the end of the day, it wasn't failure. It was just a redirect. So, yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, granted, sometimes I try certain art forms and that shit just doesn't work out. Ceramics. <laughs> ceramics is at the top of the list. I'm horrible at ceramics. And there's another art form. There's probably multiple, but ceramics is at the top of the list. I'm so bad at ceramics. <laughs> but it's kind of fun to be like, you know what? I fail in this subject. I'm not even going to try. And sometimes you got to know when to um, just kind of redirect and be like, boop, not doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone told me about this this um, book, The Big Dip. Shout out to Kristen. Um, it's And it talks about the most successful people in life know when to quit. Mm. And um, just know when to not quit. I mean, know when to quit, but then also when to not quit. So, yeah. yeah. So ceramics, I quit. If I ever want to do ceramics, I buy a little bit, bunch of clay and I make incense holders and I keep them in, in my house. But... Um, yeah, just knowing that balance. So I want to follow up on that because, like, I feel like in a lot of ways, failure is a privilege, right? Mm. And I think that based on your positionality and who you are in the world and the space that you inhabit, you get a lot of more grace to fail um, as an individual. Um, which in turn, I think failure kind of lends itself to certain kinds of successes. 
hmm. particularly the, the those that are glorified in in this society. So I, I I wonder like how much space do you feel that you have as an artist to fail, um, in terms of like experimenting and trying things that don't work and then hmm. being able to move on, right? Rather than like being kind of kind of stuck in a situation where you feel like you have to represent and do well um, because of who may be coming behind you. Mm. Damn. These are like some thesis questions. (laughs) Y'all like, we back in academia now. We're like, are y'all trying these these questions out on your students? Good luck to them if y'all are. Damn. Um, Okay, wait, break that down for me one more time. Like how much grace and how much space do you feel that you have Uh within your artistic practice to fail? Gotcha. Um, Well, I admit I do come from a place of privilege because I work full time Mm. and I work full time to um, have that privilege to fail, to Mm. try something out, to be selective of where I show, be selective of, you know, what type of art I make. Um, so, I mean, granted it has its own challenges of, you know, staying up sometimes 20 hours in a day of having to do both jobs. Um, so that's exhausting, but, um, it's almost like working at a big company versus a small one, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could bring a big company, a, a new idea and it's just like, yeah, this is great. This is amazing. And then it fails and it's just like, well, shit, my health insurance, my paycheck, everything is still going to be the same versus if you're a business um, and you do it and something, you know, fails, the impact is greater. Now, granted, the reward is triple greater. Right. But it's it's the risk versus the I can't speak. It's the risk versus the reward. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, giving having the ability of working full time and having a steady check has definitely allowed me to take more risk or feel more or not do something or say, I'm not going to do this because it has carpet, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that gives me that space. So I don't know if I, I answered that question, right. Because I think my situation is just different. If I was an independent artist, it might be very different, a different set of variables. Yes, exactly. But again, we're both giving up something, you know, I needed that stability to, to do art adjacent but some people need that freedom and just can't do that nine to five or can't do that like super structured and sometimes toxic environments so you know it's it's kind of challenging so you're kind of trading your time like your physical time yeah um as well as like your ability to sustain those toxic environments right Right. Yeah. I mean, granted, working from home has been incredible. I can imagine. Everybody who wants to go back, I'm like, get a fucking hobby. Like, (laughs) why? I mean, granted, y'all are teachers, so that's different. It's a different thing. But I'm like, I can make a tech pack at home forever. Call me if you have a question. The season starts at the same time. Like, uh, what what are we talking about? Get a hobby. Break, (laughs) bake bread and sell it. Like, you know, so it's great to work from home you know, pound away at the keys, do all the meetings. And then like, I'm back at the sewing machine and like mm-hmm. being able to live this double life. So I don't know what's going to happen when we go back to the office. That might be very, very challenging. And I don't even want to think about it at this moment in time, to be honest. But um, I mean, who knows if that's going to happen? We're we're rolling on into year three at this point. So oh no, this they're full steam ahead. The word family has come out multiple <laughs> times. So they're trying to get that back together. 
Um, uh. So it's it's been, yeah, I don't even want to think about it. But um, it's been interesting being able to really nurture this art practice being home. Yeah. And I'm thankful for it. Never want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it clear. <laughs> Um, oh, and you know what? I'm sorry. I wanted to circle back to something about what you was talking about earlier with curation. Um, I thought about the last show I did at Blackfish and it was, I curated it. I showed my stuff and it, that turnaround, like I'm still twitching from that turnaround. It was like maybe two weeks. Oh. Like we got the, like I got the proposal to do it maybe like beginning of June and not June 1st. And then things had to be installed by the last week of June. And then I was turning 30 and then that was a big deal. So I was just like, oh, we're doing this opening on the on the second, which I guess goes back to the curation bias of like, we will be doing this opening on my 30th birthday. <laughs> but again, everyone's checks was still the same, right? <laughs> um, but I think it's important when you're wearing those double hats and don't have a lot of space and time is to do with people you trust and people who you know um, run a tight ship on their own schedule. So I feel like if I ever do that again, or when I do that again, it'll always be with people who I know have my back and are lifting me up and are equally ready to help. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like in, um, you've worked with Blackfish Gallery multiple times or are working with them multiple times? Well, now I'm working with them after that first show. Because like... Um, you know, a picture from that was like in that Times article and like mm. the amount of people who came through. We all sold almost everything. Wow. I mean, granted, those were posters and we was selling them for like one fifty. Um but still. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was that turnout was absolutely incredible. I remember I was gallery I was gallery sitting because they have a they have a lot of older members. So I was gallery sitting and, you know, these few little old white ladies came in. They, they weren't part of the gallery, but, you know, they've probably been part of the community. And um, one of the first pieces, my friend who was part of the show, um, it just says nice and racist. And it was just, it was a graphic design show. And I remember them looking at it like so when they looked around the whole show and then I got my like crazy shit in there. My friend is talking about land ownership. And as they're leaving, they're like, boy, things here have changed. Like, <laughs> they was in absolute distress. But um, yeah, the feedback from that show was so um, great. And then they started a window curation program mm -hmm. and they want to give this second window space to um, specifically people of color. So it's almost like a dual thing of partnering with a person of color who's a curator who curates and then they could do whatever the hell they want to do in that window so I'm the first you know person to do it and it was great because we got a grant and was able to give money to artists and stuff like that but I was like okay well this is my practice this is my brand I'm only working with black artists and it's been really great so far this is month mm -hmm. two and the work has been great um so, so it'll wait, be so, up until sorry to interrupt but so you're saying like like right up front on your mission statement, you're saying you're only working with black artists. Like oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. I think there needs to be more of that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, let's keep it real. Black people, we get so swept under this big umbrella of POC in Portland and in a lot of spaces. I'm tired of that bullshit. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, um, and I haven't got any 
push back. <laughs> Max is giving the auntie face right now. No, because they'll say like POC and then it'll be like a white person with a Spanish surname <laughs> gets hired. Like... <laughs> Y'all be treading lightly on that POC and that's a spectrum in and of itself and I know what type of the spectrum you're going to. It's POC with white palatability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I'm, yeah. t- I'm so tired of the bullshit. So I'd be like, okay, let me get the extra black. It is black, 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 black. <laughs> you know, that's out there and, and no punches. Yeah. Um. So yeah, seeing the stories of the artists who are um, showing has been super beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's just giving up space. And that's it. Yeah. Um... What's your art's origin story? Like, what made you want to be an artist or, like, get into art? Um, mm-hmm. How oh. long have you been, like, doing art or what were your, like, earliest art experiences? Okay. Does it count being a kid, doing art and, like, pacing and yes. doing all this stuff? Okay. All that stuff counts. Well, I'm the only <laughs> child. Um, only child stories are interesting because they just go different ways. Like, I feel like when we talk about, like, birth orders... People who are twins always get, like, the first, like, oh, my God, weird twin stories. Do you have any? And then only kids are second. It's just like, oh, are you strange? Are you this? Are you that? And it's just like, no, just by myself. Do you think you are you give off only child vibes? No. I mean, I was, I was sometimes, like, I don't play with my food. I saw this story with this woman, and she was the only child, and she was dating a guy. And she said she woke up and she saw that he was cooking her asparagus. And she was like, oh, I, I just can't, I can't be with you. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I 100% agree. <laughs> like she felt so... I'm reading this story mortified. And I was just like, how dare he just not even ask her to make her asparagus? That is kind of weird. That is kind And they of was strange. dating. It wasn't like, it wasn't like they was even. You can't really assume asparagus. That's no. not. It's not like eggs, you know. <laughs> it's not like exactly. And it wasn't even like a few pieces of asparagus. Yeah. It wasn't even like a surprise omelet for both of them. <laughs> he was just making her asparagus. And I'm just like, yeah. For himself. The, for himself. Oh. I'm like, the audacity. I cannot even admit. Like, I was boiling reading yeah. this story. And I was like, good job, sis. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some weird things, especially surrounding like food and time. Uh, that definitely is very related to only kids but um, no my parents are one of those were those parents that would just like go play go figure it out we're not playing with you all the time so um, art and creativity was definitely that space but again like thinking about um, spaces and the importance of you know black spaces too right growing up in New York there was this little um, art center on Jamaica Avenue shout out to Queens Mm. and um yeah, my dad just took me there and there was this teacher and I remember Mr. T, he was a super tall man from uh, Jamaica and um, he was teaching us all art and I would just go back religiously and then when I got older, I was a camp counselor and then I was helping teach classes on Saturdays. I did a ceramics class that I was helping. Maybe that's why I'm traumatized because that teacher (laughs) was mean. Oh my God, she was so mean. But um you know, was helping with the different classes and then I was helping with administrative stuff and um, built a community from that. But it's something about being that young and um, like seeing other people who look like you doing things that you're interested in and Mm. um, receiving certain information. And it's funny because um, thinking about failure, when I went to, I went to um, 
the high school around my way first, which was a public school. And then I ended up going to a private school after because those people were cursing out teachers. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not used to that. So um, went back to private school and I tried to apply to the arts classes. And they basically said no, because long story short, they was kissing this girl's ass um, who was who was new from Korea and they wanted to put all their resources into her. So they basically said no. And I'm just like, oh, all right. But I still did it. You know, I still had that center. That was my um, home base. That was like maybe a few blocks away from the high school. And then that's where I had that outlet. Um, So, yeah. But it's funny because thinking about failure, I love that topic um, about success and failure because sometimes the best song isn't the single. And I remember even oftentimes, oftentimes the best (laughs) song isn't the single. Um, And going to FIT and going back for textile design. Mm -hmm. And um, I was hurt at the time when they gave the awards for like, I don't know if it was like most innovative students. It was like a one year program, but basically they had awards at the end. Yeah. And I didn't think it was right. I was just like, I did all this like conceptual shit. Like I should have got this. I didn't say it. I said it to my close friends and it was like, you know, it's okay. And I mean, and it's not, I'm not flexing or saying anything about them because they're talented, but mm-hmm. you know, um, in the long run, we're at two very different spaces. Yeah. So again, like if I'm just like, Oh, well, I didn't get the award. Like, what should I have done to mold myself to get this award? It would be a very different story. So, yeah. I mean, I feel well, like... How did I get on that? I don't know. But I, I think you bring up an interesting point because I think, I think as a black artist, in order to sustain a healthy image of yourself as an artist within this industry, you have to establish different metrics mm. than the ones that have been set up. Because... Yeah. They are automatically inherently anti-black. hundred percent. Because success, any standards mm-hmm. look a certain type of way. Yeah. And it's like, who makes these rules? Who makes these standards? Yeah. So a lot of it is complete bullshit. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Billboard project. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's a really quick one because um, that was part of Safe Space Art and um, Salome and um, Bernadette. And I'm blanking on how to say the last artist's name. I'm so sorry. But um, they came together and curated something called Expression mm-hmm. Against Oppression. And um, yeah, I was home in New York and hanging out with my parents. And I got the email of like, you know, hey, do you want to be part of this? I was like, sure, this sounds incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I was asked. Yeah. And I remember um, seeing like the call for artists and things like that. And I was just like, oh, okay. I never really thought about it because I was like, I'm in New York. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and um, But when they asked me, I'm like, oh, this sounds incredible to um, just to see and be part of. And then being able to see it and drive past it, it was so surreal, like seeing it in that scale. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I did... Um, I painted like some like two murals downtown and um oh that's another one ceramics and murals <laughs> that wind blew one time and I had <laughs> oh you okay was that a spit take or like oh no don't look at me. <laughs> Remember me different. 
and look away just to the water. <laughs> the water here. Oh, I'm just going to go like that. I'm so sorry. this late though we start a little bit earlier in the oh, day okay okay so like i'm just like maybe i watched too much law and order but i'm like no it's dark as hell down there right yeah. now i'm like oh this is creepy yeah <laughs> okay i'm so sorry about that are is you okay all right what happened right back to the block. no i think it just went down the wrong like nasal over there oh no but then i'm just like really dramatic <laughs> You Lassie. are. You are dramatic. Lassie you know what? Now I'm thinking about it, a lot of Pisces are not all dramatic. <laughs> I think that just comes with y'all. We are a cancer? Uh-huh. Okay. Murals is another one of those art forms that just like takes me out. I fail and it's okay. Like I did one, the wind started blowing, my shit was blowing everywhere and I'm like, oh, I'm miserable. <laughs> I am so miserable. And then like it stopped blowing and then the sun got on my back and like, oh, uh, and then people come by and try to talk. Like, I think that's, I'm sorry. I love people. I'm an extrovert, but that was one of the most annoying parts. Like this man was showing me like pictures of this picture he acquired of this native woman and of course he was this old white guy and I was just like like I'm not working at 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 my retail store like this is I don't want to talk so yeah that's another art form that I'm just like no but um when she first reached when um they first reached out to me about it Salome I was just like all right I want to do it but I just want to make sure like I'm afraid of heights I don't want to have to put this thing up and she was like no 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 you're just like setting up the the file so that was pretty fun to like doing the comfort of my home and then send it and then see it um on a billboard yeah so yeah and driving by it was so incredible do you feel like seeing the finished product kind of made up for the discomfort that you felt during the creation of it oh no so this one was a this one was um a graphic that i made for the blackfish show Okay. So yeah, so they asked me to use that one for a billboard. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. But when I first, when they first approached me about it, I'm like, oh, I know I don't have to be outside and get actually put the billboard up, um, <laughs> or do anything outside with the outside elements. And mm-hmm. they was like, no, 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 you're just setting up all the files and getting things together, and then then it goes up by it, not by itself, but I didn't have to put it up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Where uh, where is the billboard? It's on MLK and Morgan. I'm not sure if it's Ooh. down yet. It might be down November 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah, first, it's weird. It said October 3rd on the Safe Space um, website, but I saw all the rest of them, so I feel like they meant to say November 3rd. 
Okay. So yeah, it should still be up. Yeah, that was nice. my next question. Was how long is it gonna be up? Yeah. So yeah, check it out. We we'll have to um, drive by and get MLK a picture. Yeah. Morgan. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. It felt really good. I was with um, someone who I'm not friends anymore. Oh. I actually, despise. Oh. But, oh. Okay. Pisces maybe. are dramatic. No, Kansas. We well, Kansas. We got a moments. <laughs> we was driving by, and it was nice enough to take me past and. Um, I hate that they even part of the story. I don't know if this could be edited out. Was that the look from earlier? No, this is another look. This is an even more deep-seated look. You can request editing veto privileges. I don't give a shit. He knows okay. we're not cool. But, like, he was, he, they were, he was nice enough to drive um, drive me there. And it was a nice... It was like, where is it? It was dark. And it was like, oh, my God, that's it. Where it is right there. So, yeah. Is there something about seeing your work in that particular capacity that changes the context of it for you or the context of your practice even um yes and no I think it's just a different type especially seen on that scale in such a public form yeah and I'm just like what are people thinking like you know it says racism is a visual poison I'm like are people confused like does it start conversation it's like this hot pink and orange you know piece and it's like what do you know um what are people thinking? Yeah. And it's funny because it's also um, the owner of Commissary, Kim, she bought one because I made an addition of three in that colorway and she bought one for that shop. First of all, that's like one of my favorite bakeries. So shout out to Commissary. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I wonder what people think as they're going into the shop and getting pastries and seeing it. Are they understanding or, you know, what kind of dialect are they having? So, yeah, yeah. I just hope it gets some more folks. Uh, what bakery is this? Oh, it's called Commissary Cafe in Northwest. Those pastries, actually everything there is out of control, but those pastries are like on a whole nother level. Mm. A whole nother level. So Looks like NTP is going to have to have a business meeting over there. Yeah. Have a bakery meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Walk past, see y'all there, be like, hey. <laughs> um, And then you have a, an upcoming solo show in November? Mm-hmm. I'm going to share it on Monday, just finalize the communication. Um, so it's called Multiply, and it's at One Grand Gallery, and um, it comes down the last week of November. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited. I wanted to show there for a really long time, actually when I first got here. And um, it's just funny how things come full circle. Yeah. So, And it's been a great experience, and just making the stuff and thinking about different things. I'm trying to... I'm learning how to talk about my work. That's something I'm not the best at. Are y'all good at it? Like, how do y'all? That's what grad school is all about. Learning how to talk. How to talk. Oh, okay. That's, that's, sense. To, that's what we're paying all that money learning for. Learning how to avoid the question. Gotcha. Huh. Touche, Max. Touche. Yeah. That's interesting. Because I can have a whole thought and idea. And then someone's like, so what's it about? I'm just like, uh, you know. You tell them to shove off. Right. <laughs> So wait, part of grad school is learning how to avoid the question? Yeah, learning. I, I feel think... I feel like that's how Max processed grad school. No, me, who can say? <laughs> who, who can know such thing? I think, like, art is, a, like, it's communication, right? Yes. Like, so many levels and, like, layers of communication. Um, and I think grad school purports itself to supposedly 
allegedly <laughs> get you to ostensibly. Uh, yeah, using all those words together. Yeah, get you to. Um, I think it's like the one of the skills is supposed to say is like you you can answer the questions you want to, but it also gets you to not answer the questions you don't want to in a smart way. Hmm. A, I'm using air quotes in a smart way in an art way. Be like, you know. But I think that's like also just like a normal thing that can be developed through practice or through doing it. Gotcha. Um, I think like, cause I'm also like somebody that's like, um, to like your earlier points around like art or around like, you know, your friend just telling you to like hit up things. Like sometimes you're just like doing it and versus like this overthinking and then you like figure it out. Right. It's like, we're not, we're not these like fragile things. Like we're like, Oh yeah. Like we're, this is how you do it. But also like, realizing that there's no one way to do it right 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 i think it's like the true realization that's like oh yeah like i can do this my way yeah and because like we're only ever going to be able to do things our way and we're always going to be best at doing them our way yeah right right. Um, and i will say this like for me grad school was something that i used to propel me from a whole different other industry which is completely non-related what was the accounting Wow. Oh my God. Um, That was like a full 160. Yeah. Well, no, 360. Sorry. So I had no knowledge of how to do any of the things that you're doing. Like, so I needed grad school in that way to sort of teach me, to give me a foothold into that industry, but also Mm -hmm. teach me how to interact with those people Mm -hmm. in that world. Um, But for people who are already immersed in that world, I kind of see grad school as pointless. I was about to that was gonna be the next question I think like I think it's like that hard thing where you like you don't know if you don't know what grad school is selling you kind of have to like go to grad school to see be like oh yeah I didn't need this but it's like one of those things where it's like if you're on the outside it's like harder to know yeah but um it's definitely the whole thing of like yeah like networking or um and Max you did the whole shebang like from from undergrad to grad, you were like it was completely art, right? Yeah, I made I made my mind up, and I was like, I'm gonna oh. do this thing. I was. I didn't start in the art industry. Like my yeah. undergrad was political science. So. Okay. My undergrad oh. was painting and drawing. Oh wow, my undergrad was geography. <laughs> yeah, so it just all comes back. What do you want to do with a geography degree? I wanted to work in the census office. Ooh, yeah, that would I be timely. I um I. Well, I guess I'm not a member anymore because I haven't paid dues, but... <laughs> Wait, I, there, are, there are membership dues? Well, if you are part of the American Association of Geographers and attend their yearly conference, then there are membership dues. So... Wow. And that was one of the most best experiences I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, I hustled. I was, a, I was in college, so I was like, oh, I'll be a volunteer if I could attend things for free. Yeah. And I network. And I still have that t-shirt and still wear it proudly. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, but that was the first time... See, geography asks about the question, why? Like, there mm-hmm. are some elements of maps. I almost wish I... Shit, I almost wish I would have stayed with it and, and did digital maps. That was a whole class. Mm-hmm. Who knows how much money I would have been making. Anyway, <laughs> but um, that was the first... Geography is about asking the question, why? And, like, why something is the way it is? And, um, you know, um, just digging deep into histories and stuff. And when I was at that conference, that was the first time I heard the term race using, used in conjunction with neutrality and neutral. Mm. Um, and the, the title of the, um, of the session was 
Asian people are the new neutral race. And um, it was put on from... What does that mean? So, uh, I'm trying to explain it. Well, it was an Asian woman and a black man who was on the top of the panel. And when I think of race and neutrality and the spectrum of white and black and having to think about your race in certain spaces, um, I think it's neutral versus not neutral, right? Or creating these binaries of, of, um, of race or acceptability or closeness to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it was covering. And um, it was talking about like jobs and spaces and um, just different areas that Asian people. And I'm not sharing my own views. I'm just sharing about the whole thing. But um, it was talking about spaces that Asian people are able to um, so effortlessly effortlessly take up and navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, And they gave the examples of stores, right? Like. I mean, even even now, working full-time, sometimes it feels like this stigma going to certain spaces and stores, right? But they were saying, like, Asian people can go in stores and it's not a thing of, of how much money they might have or mm-hmm. status or... Um, yeah, it's yeah. just... They just get to exist yeah. for the most part. And I definitely, as a black woman, as a dark-skinned black woman, I don't feel that neutrality. Like, I have to pick and choose the kinds of stores that I go into. Right. Exactly. We will never be neutral. Yeah. You know, and that's what I spoke to one of the, um, the panelists after. This was so long ago, so I'm trying to, like, piece it together. (laughs) But, um, speaking to the panelists after, and it was like, oh, it made me think of how not neutral I am and will never be. Mm -hmm. Which has its own beauty in and of itself, right? I think so, yes. And, um, and also... There's a, challenges with it too. There's a certain awareness that I feel like we're imbued with just because of our positionality that others have the privilege of ignoring. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I remember when I um I was pretty new here and I was at work and this white woman came up to me and she was like, oh, you know, I was late. I was working late, and she's like, oh, you don't sound like you're from New York, and I was like. I must have been cranky. I was like, I kind of saved that for like, you know, my accent for like my friends and people who I'm Uh around. And she was like, well, how do you like it? And I was just like, again, bad day. I was like, I don't really like it. And she was like, why? And I was like, it's not diverse here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but there's a large Asian community. And I had to, I like stopped typing. I looked at her and I was like, miss, I'm black. Like, what what are we missing? Mm -hmm. What are we missing here Mm -hmm. about things that I might need or things that I might um, experience that you're just doing this overarching broad brushstroke of like, well, there's a ton of Asian people here, and it's just like the, in, you the can't POC blanket, yes. right? Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that conference was the first time of thinking about neutrality and navigating spaces and just these different spectrums yeah. of white and black and where other people of color fall in between. So, I mean, geography has definitely influenced a lot of things. So, I mean, yeah. I, that's curious. I, I didn't know that you, your undergrad was in geography because there, there's a certain way that like maps and um, geographies in general are used in the art world. And I'm, I'm wondering if like, have you implemented that in your own practice or like, are you interested in that? Um, well, it's funny. I'm, I'm so very much so drawn to maps, like looking at them visually. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Ju- Julie Maratu show back home mm-hmm. um, at the Whitney. And mm-hmm. that was one of the most, like, 
it was one of those shows I needed to go back to, but I couldn't because it was so sensory. Mm-hmm. Like you have to see things that like that you just super admire, but you can't fully digest it. All like, the think, time. <laughs> like I have a cat and it's funny, I was I was reading up like oils that aren't safe for cats and it's like, oh, you know, citrus isn't because they can't they could smell it, but their their enzymes can't like digest it or something. Sorry, I'm, weird cat facts. I'm a huge cat mom, um, and that's kind of how I describe that show, huh? So, like, does citrus like keep cats away from you? Oh no, it's just like I can't. So I have a humidifier, and I was like, oh well, what oil can is safe for cats? And they said as long as it's nothing citrus. I mean, there was like tea tree oil and other things, but they said citrus cats just can't. They can't digest or it can't break down in their bodies healthy in a healthy way. I've heard lemon. I didn't know it was the entire citrus family. Yeah, the entire Have you heard citrus about, like, family. Cats are trying to like replace babies. No, what? no. What do you mean replace? What are you talking? Like... About? <laughs> well, since you asked, um... <laughs> right? I'm just like because <clears throat> like cats don't meow to cats. Like they develop or they develop meowing to humans uh-huh. as like a way to like interact with humans specifically. Like they don't meow. Like I don't communicate. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't meow. So it's the like cats. a human thing. I didn't like, actually didn't know that. See, you're already no. getting alarmed. You're already getting alarmed. <laughs> and that's good. But they always done that since when? They, but they've never been trying to replace the baby. No, that's that's one step. That's one of the 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 steps of a baby replacement. But since they the also, beginning of cat. Yeah, since like cat and human interaction or whatever. Since cats and humans have been interacting, um, this has been like the cat agenda. Allegedly, some people are saying this. I'm just saying. I'm just. We're, I haven't gone there yet, but like also, what is it? Um, cats, um, ammonia or something like what is it in cats pee that's like bad for humans, specific, specifically bad for pregnant women? Oh. Um, Wait, what? Like, I think cat, their pee smells like pneumonia, yeah, or, but I think it has it in there, and it's like so, like, it's either the that's like specifically bad for you, but it's also no, it's bad for humans, but it's bad for pregnant women, but it's also does a thing to the brain. Where it like makes you love the cat more or something like that. There's like some brainwashing chemical in cat stuff that um like further gets you, gets them like ingrained in in you, and you're like, oh, I don't need it. I don't need. What are these weird cat things that people make up? <laughs> I don't think they're made up. <laughs> I don't believe half of this stuff. People be making up all I'll this send, shit about I'll send cats. you articles. I'll send you some like. <laughs> Some peer-reviewed scientific journal. As long as they're articles. not from like Cambridge Analytica or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. but I mean, well, I'll, I'll send you. The, I'll send you the. I research. think these are made by dog people yeah. or geocities.com. No, I mean, like, maybe, maybe it's too late. Maybe you, like your brain's already been fully <laughs> cat invested. I still want a child that someday. I still, you know, I love my cat, but I just think like cats have an agenda. They might to get I kinda, fed and I, get rubbed and. I was a dog person, the and then I lived with someone who had cats, and then I kind of fell in love with cats. But yeah. then that person left, so now I'm no longer tethered to now cats. Now you just have a hole in your heart. That means a little you bit. Have, that means you have to get a cat. Maybe, maybe. I'll oh show my you God, a cat get a kitten, Melanie. I would be down if you got a kitten. I feel like maybe nice that's where I'm headed. Picture. I don't know. Get a kitten, yeah. Get a kitten, Melanie. Get a kitten. Fuck the dating apps. Get a kitten. <laughs> you can do both. Hello. You can do both. See, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to so like to follow up on what you're saying. Sorry, I was looking at my hinge. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, like what took you from majoring in geology to um, geography? geography? Yes, Wait, I'm what? sorry. I did have a point about the cat thing. First, of, this is my cat. Oh, so cute. It's so it's adorable. 
It's adorable. I do have a thing for now because of my bias for tuxedo cats. Oh, tuxedo cats are cute. They are. They because are of the chemical warfare. Oh, Lord. Wait, what? Okay, calm down. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find a super cute picture. This one that will melt you. <laughs> Side note, do you know that there ooh. That's so cute. Um, do you know that there are like whole like black black cat lover Facebook groups? No. Okay. Weird story. When I first moved here from um New York and I got a cat, I would meet I think maybe like three to four black guys who I met like interacting with. They're like, Why do you have a cat? Like black girls don't have cats. Wait, what? what Where's says who she was, they was like oh you know you're supposed to have like a, a dog or something weird I was just like you have got to be kidding me that's so fucking arbitrary but okay uh, it's so bizarre oh okay but I did bring up the cat thing for a reason <laughs> sorry now we're all over the place <laughs> that's where NTP lives okay all over the place okay <laughs> but uh it may like looking at her show kind of remind me of that cat fact because it was it was just so I can't even explain it. it. It was just so much thought and so sensory. Mm-hmm. And like, it was one of it, it just reminded me of like language and conversation that she probably was having with herself, but then like, it just like erupted and into like just these beautiful pieces. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it was just a lot to digest. Cause every single thing, it was just like, what does this mean? Why does she place it here? What does this color mean? And then, like, she had these, like, monochromatic, like, black pieces. And I'm just like, mm. oh, my God. And, like, reading the description of how it was about, like, I don't think it was depression, but it was it was about, like, a dark space. And it just, it read like a nightmare. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Why did I bring that up? Oh. So she had a segment that talked about um, maps. And it was just, like, these, um, just these shapes. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of her work is, their work is, um you know, centers around maps and um, geographies and mm-hmm. things like that. And it just looks different. Yeah. So um, I definitely plan to incorporate that with um, the upcoming show in November mm-hmm. of like symbols and iconographies and um, things like that. You know what? Thank you. Ooh, I gotta write that. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, bubble. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence because I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna start talking about that. Come through grad school. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I need to take a class or two. I knew that fifty thousand dollars a year meant something <laughs> that I'm never gonna pay back. But <laughs> pay it forward. Oh, pay it forward. <laughs> if there is a class just to strictly learn how to talk about your artwork, though, I will be interested, or at least write about it. Interesting. Maybe that's something NTP can set up. The Melanie Stevens uh, seminar. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's like, especially when you have so many layers, mm-hmm. I'm just like, when people are like, so what's your work about? I don't even know what layer to start. And then like, I maybe start at layer eight and then I bounce back at layer one and then I get to layer three. And then I'm just like, then I crumble by that point And I'm just like, oh Lord, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, see, here's the thing though. I, as an artist in this world, I question this like idea of being able to talk about Mm -hmm. what your art is about this idea of legibility Mm -hmm. palatability Mm -hmm. to certain artists why do you need to incorporate or encapsulate what your work is in eight solid paragraphs in this very particular way Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, you're in graphic design. You know about marketability. I have all kinds of issues with a marketability in the art world, you know? Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's, you... that's the crux of why we're supposed, to, as artists, we're supposed to know how to talk about our art. It's about marketability, and I have a big problem with that. As digestible huh. as a pile of rocks. So what is so? What was something that you would say? Somebody asked me about my art. Yeah. Are you asking me or are you asking Melanie? I'm asking both of y'all. Or what I, do you think is a good thing to say? I say, generically, <laughs> my my work is about narrative and storytelling and the power dynamics involved in that. Oh, so you have like one solid sentence and then you just go from there. Yeah. The elevator, the elevator speech. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Um, when I was a little kid, the thing that pissed me off the most was when my brother would be like, you won't get it. People will laugh at you. Even though there was nothing. To Whoa. Get. But I was like, get what? Get what? Yeah. What does that and mean? He's like, you won't get it. People will laugh at you. Um, <laughs> so that's my, that's usually my retort. It's like, oh, you won't get it. People will laugh at you. That's kind of mean though. Oh like, no. What? You say that? I, I don't say that, but I think I will now. I just thought about it. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, oh my um, God. But people it, do people get laugh. your work though. I hope not. You but, don't. You don't aim for people to understand your work. I like people to grasp parts of it. Um, be like, oh yeah, I got this thing, and then I got this thing. But actually, I think there are some people that like get all the, like when it lines up like a Rubik's cube, when it all matches up, you're like, oh, mm. oh. It's like oh, now that now oh, it makes sense. Oh, oh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, but um, I think it's fun. It's fun in that way. Cause like I, I mean I talk I talk about this like all the time like what is like what does it mean you know digestibility mm-hmm. like um, ease like if you're making something like how easy do you want it to be understood yeah like and I think like I don't want my work to be easy I think like with thinking about like audiences especially like in the world we live now it's really easy to find answers like you can like you know search anything on your phone be like what is this thing and it like it doesn't make you try to figure it out on your own I feel like that's as a skill like we're losing as like a people as a society like, like as, critical like, analysis right yeah. like as like the answer is like becoming more I mean more it's and more technically illegal now critical analysis right oh my gosh <laughs> but so I, I like I think like art should should ask questions and not like give answers and I think um you know I think it's the thing that like people should have to think about and like wonder and like maybe also too like wonder but not know that they like figured out the answer because also too it's like i think like for me like i think good art is like looking into like the fire like looking into the mirror like so much of art is like what the viewer brings to the art Mm -hmm. and so like that's why i think it's like to leave it open and like that's where like you know we talk about accessibility and access points and i don't think like you know like they think about them or we can think about them in like ways of like references that people get but i think accessibility and access points is by like leaving things open um, to the read and not necessarily saying like oh that's a right read or that's the incorrect read but mm-hmm. by being like you know like what you see in this art is like more reflection of you than gotcha. maybe like the art itself um, but I think art should be like for me like you know like I think some of my favorite art pieces were the art that I thought in the beginning I hated like some of the <laughs> art I saw in the very beginning I was like fuck this art and I was like but like I'm like but why fuck this art yeah like, oh shit it's like I love this art hmm. um, yeah so I think like art should be like, I was talking to somebody else about this, and I think, like, manipulation is, like, a inherently, like, negative word. 
but it's, it shouldn't always be. Cause I don't like, think right. it, it. I don't think it is negative. I think as an artist, you are kind of manipulating. Thank you. That's somebody. what I'm saying. Like artists are emotionally manipulated. I'm definitely doing that. Some of and my I work. Think, and I think yeah, like the good yeah. art, the better of an artist you are, the more emotionally manipulative you are. You're like, I want them yeah. to like, because you know, feel confused in yeah. this moment and to like be happy in this moment. And then I'm trying to. I'm in the next moment. I'm trying to trick my audience in some ways. So like blatantly, just trying to like sort of flip their perception of things yeah exactly mm. so i think like yeah like art should be should it be that like mental wrestling match or that yeah. Struggle, yeah but like within the person but it's also like i want the you know like when you eat something you're like oh that like you know i use some licorice or what's that thing for oh well, licorice is gross what's so that, that what's the other thing yeah, like, 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 that, like that that liquor you're like oh this just like tastes really bad <laughs> is it the green one i don't i don't know what it is but i remember like i'll drink it and like oh this like has a bad bitter taste hmm um, but like, so like, but then you're like, but I remember it more than like a liquor that tasted good and was easy to drink. Oh, I was like, oh sense. yeah, like I, I That's forgot about the, that you, liquor. The, the bad one is the one you remember. That you always right, right, remember. Right, right, right. Hmm. Or yeah, but we can also like unpack what does bad means or mm-hmm. like, I mean, right. even like, or even think about like what is bad or is it just because it wasn't instantly acceptable. Does that mean it's bad? But like maybe in the long run, you're like, oh, actually I'm a fan of this now. Indeed. Right, right, right. Huh. Yeah. So. I just didn't think of. Thank you for that perspective, because like I'm thinking about that opening. Oh, so the opening is November fifth. Yes, well, actually, we were going to ask you about that. Yes, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh shit, what am I going to say? Do you have to? Do you have to say things? Like, I guess no, in the press release, people I guess. ask. No, so the press release, I like broke it down and like all these different things. Okay. Um, when I sent it to, um, one of the gallery owners who's going to write it up, but I'm just like. You know, conversation. So I was talking. So it's really a material design story, um, and it's about visual. It's about visual. Uh, I guess visual narratives of of um, nationalism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with the emphasis on the Pan African flag and red, black, and green, mm. um, with the Pan African uh, colors, and using different materials to tell a story. Okay. So yeah. Cool. I hope that sentence sound concise. <laughs> I am looking forward to that show. Thank you, thank you. So, where do you, um, where do you think, or like, how would you think about um, where your artwork ends and you begin, and like vice versa, um, or like how you draw that line? Well, it's funny. I um, I started making the flags after the whole Trump thing. Mm. And like being here and like seeing that 600 caravan of like Trump flags. And um, at first I was going to um, make them really huge for the show at Disjecta. And then I was like, well, A, there was no space. And then B, it was, I was just so over- underwhelmed. And mm. I'm like, okay, like, why am I underwhelmed? And I'm like, oh, because like I'm trying to match their energy. So that's when I started making like these small swatch like ones and um working in the apparel industry like thinking about materials thinking about how materials tell the story um and just how certain things look together visually so it's all based off I feel like it starts based off of experiences and what I'm feeling at the moment everything is um is guttural a word I don't think so but everything is based off of the gut and like how I'm feeling and processing. intuitive. I guess that's the art word for it. Intuitive. Yeah, they would, they would yeah, say yeah. You're an intuitive maker. <laughs> no, there is a there is a word that starts with a G. 
maybe someone said guttural and it just was wrong. <laughs> but just this like, um, you know, something that's like plaguing me mm. and that just like trying to process and, and deal with. And um, I don't know. It almost sounds so silly, you know, to mm. feel like, oh, I make art based on how I feel and perceive things versus like this big thesis of like, I'm trying to address. I mean, and I am addressing things. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like it all starts from. There's a kind of pretension with that. I'm trying to address. No, I think point, I think the people that say I'm trying to pre- uh, address something are it's still the same concept of like I perceive this thing, but it's like I perceive this thing, so I'm addressing it from my perception or whatever. Because right. I think art is at the end of the day like perception, but it's also like who's perceiving. And who's, like, doing the perceiving, right? Because, like, I think so much... I think, like, so much of being human is... um, It's perception, but it's also, like... I feel like art is so much of, like, inside jokes. Mm -hmm. And I think... But I think that's, like, being human, too, is, like, oh, like, the three of us can have an inside joke. But then, like, that can also be, like, the foundation of, like, the art world. Yeah. And then, like, how many other people do we want to let in to know about this joke? Yeah. Or to make us feel special or, like, less special or whatever because we think this thing's funny yeah. well, <laughs> or you know, something. <laughs> I mean, I guess to that point also, so the name of the show is Multiply. Okay. And um, again, it's based off of the Pan-African flag and different materials and nationalism and telling the story. And I'm making these, um, these tags to go on it. And um, I was going to make these tags that say something like very literal, like, this material is used because of X, Y, and Z. And I reached out to a friend because he's like just super word savvy. And I'm like, give me something to write because I can't do it. And he's like, why are you? He's like, if this is for you, A, it shouldn't need anyone to like copyright or add anything, but also make make something in it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how these um, codes came up because it's just really super personal codes. And then they go back to what the material is and... Um, all these other things. So, I mean, it is an inside thing, right? Um, oh, I can share the... It would make more sense if I share the graphic for it. Where is the graphic? Oh, no. Okay, well, that backfired. No, wait a minute. Where's the graphic? I just saved it. Okay, well, I don't have it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like these cryptic numbers um, that make it look that kind of, that doesn't make sense to um, when you first look at it visually, but um, it's a meaning. But yeah. then also going back to materials and just the whole process and thought about it of how like black culture is so commodified and how people try to consistently just remake it and without taking care of people or not or not giving power to the people mm-hmm. um so again i'm mad i have that gra- i don't have that graphic because it'll make more sense when you see it but um yeah a lot of different layers and maybe i need to go home and write down what layer one is and figure that out but yeah and then lastly, I will say there's like a biblical sense to multiply. Yeah. Um, and especially if you look at, um, you know, white power and black power of how when um, black people reproduced, especially during slavery, it was more of a 
it was like more product or more more labor right. um and then when it didn't fit that capitalism agenda it was just like okay well now it's another genocide mm-hmm. you know so um just this idea of reproducing and um black people multiplying you know we don't die you know mm-hmm. we multiply mm-hmm. and also i just think um black people coming together multiplying and showing each other love and um cultivating families and cultivating each other um is like a whole nother thing right so yeah need to write down step one through yeah one through however many i mean black people multiplying black people interacting is something that was like literally illegal yeah like they literally made laws so that black people weren't allowed to to gather in groups of more than a certain amount exactly like exactly yeah so yeah it's like this automatically subversive thing right right be fruitful and multiply yeah and that's what we're doing and that's why it's important to have spaces like this and um yeah yeah even just kibbish and (laughs) talk shit (laughs) so what is black playground oh it's funny this is gonna have to probably be edited (laughs) (laughs) oh god this is endeavor that I I was so ambitious about long story short I got a rat grant and I was gonna do another show at the same place tips on failing but then COVID happened Mm. so I applied for all these grants and then all the grants just like flattened because of COVID so so wait are you saying that like the were the grants given to you and then they were taken away or did they just completely like they just put they just left yes okay I see but so the only one I secured was a small rat grant so instead of giving it back which I kind of wish I did I was like, oh, I'm going to make this into a magazine, which is great, you know, um, and all the artists are absolutely incredible, but making a magazine takes a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm exhausted, but I um, I just had to come to terms like, okay, I'm going to have to put some of my own resources in it, and um, I'm working with my friend who's a graphic designer to do the layout. Because at first I was like, oh, I'm going to do the layout. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do this. And now I'm just like, oh, I have no time. Like, I could barely blink. So this has been an ongoing project, um, which is going to turn out incredible um, because she showed me some of the layouts. And again, the artists are wonderful. And when it comes out, it's it's free. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll definitely give you all a copy. But um, For the archives. Yeah, for the archives. But it's a (laughs) magazine. Um, I think when it's printed and done... It'll be like, okay, like, let me get this through. But right now I'm like in rat grant jail because I can't get anything until I do this one project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. I mean, it was supposed to be done a long time ago. It's not their fault. That's really just, but you know, it's something about not failure so much, but I had all this idea to like churn that out, print it on blurb, get that shit going. And it's just like, okay, that's fine. But after sitting with it, it's just like, all right, let me actually get someone who does in design. Like I do in design, but she does in design. I have a lifelong hatred of that fucking program. It's challenging. I hate in design. Max likes it. I love in design. I think it's the devil. (laughs) I think it is the worst program ever created. I I kind of want to write hate letters 
to the people who designed that entire software. So I hate it. It sounds like you're not going to any InDesign Adobe Max no, things. No, no, no. And no. Uh, they say Pisces are dramatic. Wait, what are you? I'm Virgo. Oh my gosh. Okay, Virgos get it. I do love Virgos though. But Virgos, <laughs> y'all are doomstress, top of the charts. I always seem to find my way back to Virgos. I love Virgos and Cancers. We're like this because I've always told my Virgo friends, I'm like, Cancers are the only ones who can like, you know, we get y'all. Mm-hmm. We give y'all space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, but... Do you know your other placements? Huh? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Shoot. I think I am a funny enough a Pisces rising. Oh, wow. Maybe. I got to see. But I know Cancer Sun, I believe of a Pisces rising. Am I a cancer moon? I don't know. I gotta figure that out. I think, like, somebody was telling me the other day that your, like, moon kind of, like, is, like... Oh, it um, shifts? Or, no, it's, like, if you this is your sign, then your, like, moon's, like, potentially, like, one or the other. Oh. So, if you are, like, if your moon is your sun, that can make sense. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Now, as soon as I go home, I'm, I'm gonna find that out. But I think that's also true of, like, maybe they're saying that about, like, I think your Mercury and Venus. Like, hmm. if your Mercury... It's supposed to be on either side of your sun. Uh-huh. And if not, then your your shit's fucked. Got it. That's what I've heard. Okay. okay. <laughs> Don't want that. <laughs> but, um... Shoot. Okay, this makes me want to, like, pull up my chart, but I'm gonna do it when I get home. <laughs> but, uh... Stopping on that project is just like, okay, like, let me... Let's make it better. Like, let's not mm-hmm. rush it. So, um, my friend who does, does in design, like, so I'm assuming you're a Photoshop person. I, I can do Photoshop and Illustrator. I love Photoshop. Yeah. I have been, like, I've been stealing Photoshop software for like 20 solid years Are you now. still a student to Adobe? No, now I have like an educator's like oh. member. I'm like Melanie's legit part of now. The system. Wow. I'm legit now. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. Uh-oh. Those are fighting words. But Photoshop, I think, is... Mirror is I mean, like if you love Photoshop, mirror. it's like the same no, thing. No, it is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. No, that's InDesign, so far from the same thing. InDesign is a whole fucking uh-uh. other thing, and that is why I hate it so much. No. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what's the difference? I think you have to, like, draw your own text boxes in InDesign. No, like, no Photoshop, it's like a formula. Photoshop is intuitive. The layout, the interface is completely intuitive for artists. I don't know who the hell was smoking when they designed the InDesign yeah, interface. That's just, like, straight wizardry. It's ridiculous. And I don't understand why you understand it so well, but... It's hard, Melanie. You're not supposed to understand it. Okay, fine. But it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Okay, I don't share your disgust. <laughs> it's something I'm actually, like, kind of curious about. I would attend it at yeah. Max. We will expect not to see you there. Hire me for your in-designing birthday cards. Right, right. Graduation cards, bar missile cards. I'm on it. It's just like... Because I hate it illustrator for a long time until i actually started using it. i was just like oh my god like once you finally know how to use layers in illustrator amazing but in design like that shit is like on a whole nother level it really is I'm it's just on like a, a novella currently Ooh, in in design? Mm-hmm. wow what do you like about InDesign? there's some cool things though it's fun. It's like, i like that i can like, like what one of the things i like i like that i can grab a bunch of images at once and then drop them in at my leisure. Um, I like um, that it's gearing to make a book, which I, I like mm-hmm. books. I like to read. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> Whatever, Max. Sur- this seems every surface level love. I'm just saying, like, I feel like InDesign makes things that should be simple very, very complicated for no I damn mean, when, reason. I mean, when I first learned it, I was I was so frustrated by, like, the clicking of the squares, the blue square versus the square, but now it's, it's innate. I do it in my sleep. I was like... Okay. Like, See? Okay. You're showing off. I'm like, you my kids. Seriously. You're showing off. It's because you know. Because now you know the colors. <laughs> yeah. It just makes it impossible to, like, learn on your own unless you're, like... I, I, had to learn I have own, taken I had like a, no less than three different like <laughs> classes on trying to learn this fucking program. You and maybe you just classes? had to have the right different, teacher. Because like I know, like I know a lot of people who know InDesign. They've tried to teach me, and it's just it's not taking. It's like trying to learn how to swim. Swim the same thing. What? I have not been able to like <laughs> figure this thing this out. Like, uh, like, well, I mean, so, did you have a project that you really wanted to do? Yeah. We worked on a project together um i almost lost my mind and cried a couple of times maybe and i came oh, out no. knowing you design <laughs> the ntp oh, so testimony book yeah like we we like we tried to cut our teeth on on InDesign designing um this the ntp testimony um catalog um of first year exhibits max came out of it with a new <sighs> skill set i came out of it just on the verge of a mental breakdown. Oh, no. so, like... Add some lines to my resume. <laughs> See, I wonder if that is the Virgo thing. Because it's like, no, I, because it's like, you know, Virgos, y'all are, I love y'all. Y'all have some, sim- y'all, a lot of y'all have some similarities. And it's like, maybe because he wasn't like a boss at it mm-hmm. from the beginning. It was just like, F this program forever. Yeah, that might be a part of it. That might be a part of it. Like, I... I gravitate towards things that I intuitively like latch onto immediately. Yeah. Like if there's too much of a learning curve, it's just like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like? I just think that's an interesting character trait. <laughs> that that felt like judgment, but it okay. did feel like judgment. I had to back up too. It was just like, boop. Okay. Right. Com- I mean, whatever. So like. <laughs> Yeah. What was I even saying? Why did we even do on this? Again. You were talking about InDesign. Oh, yeah. okay, yes. So the point, my friend, I do InDesign. Mm-hmm. Like, I could open the program and maybe put a text on <laughs> I could get a few pages. But she does, does it. Mm-hmm. And then um, from Blurb, now I'm going to use Brown Printing and then have some oh. extra stuff in it. So, yeah. I've, I've done some work through Brown. Like, this stuff is beautiful. Yeah, they are. Super beautiful. So... Yeah, I mean, that comes with waiting and sitting and saying, like, okay, this doesn't have to be churned out, like, tomorrow. Right. Probably won't come out until another year, to be honest, even after she finishes it. And that's fine. Take that, Rack. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's not on purpose, but who knows? Maybe that'll be my last hurrah whenever I move back or... You're, we're in the yeah. middle of a panopticon. It's okay to slow things down. Yeah, I'm just in grant jail, so... Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I had a project that was... Uh, got postponed two years. So, like, again, like, middle you of cannot a... do anything until yeah. And I'm like, but I'm gonna surpass the grant completely. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. Part of me wants to almost be like, all right, Brown, just take this portion of the money that I have left, <laughs> if I could get out of this like haven. But <laughs> did you say move back? I want to move back to New York one day. Really, okay. I do. Every time I'm there, it's just like a. I just feel energized. 
But that weather, every time like I'm moving back and then some like weather storm happens and I'm just like, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm not ready to move back now. When was the last time you were there? Oh, I went for the summer. That's why I was so mystified. It was magical. Oh, wow. The humidity. So New York is back on their feet and like like Mm -hmm. fully operational. Yeah. I mean, there's some things, but um, it was just magical. Like being home and just being with family and we grilled every Sunday. Yeah. But just remembering it won't be like that during the winter. So that's why I'm just like, all right, let's, let's figure this out. But I was like in jazz clubs all the time and seeing endless shows and just got lost. That was, it was just beautiful, but it's just a lot of energy. So it was nice to kind of come back and be like, have that balance. But I'm gonna try and go back every summer at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, when you're from other places, people, you go back, people look older my grandmother's been talking about death for like 10 years and I'm just like, all right, like you're fine. Um, but you know, it's, it's the family portion of my family and I just want to be with my parents. Yeah. So yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Not immediately, but someday. Do you see yourself like living, um, other places besides like Portland and New York? Um, maybe California for the weather, but I don't know that whole, LA versus New York thing I don't get it because I'm just like New York hands down like I don't get well, don't get it I think Max is a recent LA convert so off of a re- residency yeah, I came back from LA um, <laughs> I grew up being like fuck LA fuck plastic surgery which I still am um, yes. fuck Sunset Boulevard or whatever that whole life Sunset Boulevard is beautiful and now I'm like I'm is here it? for it I'm ready for what? it um, no but when I was in LA I was like Cause like talking about insecure earlier, it's like, oh, did they film a scene of insecure here? Was like, that you? <laughs> like everywhere I was looking around, I was like being like, did they film this here? Did Tell they me you went to here? the dunes and took a picture. No, I didn't go to the dunes. <laughs> I might as well. The one to... place that you know that they shot, <laughs> you didn't go. No, I had like a long list of places I didn't go. Like I, I didn't go to Rodeo Drive when I wanted to. I've been oh. on Rodeo Drive. And? Yeah, there's a lot of stores I felt insecure. Yeah, no, about I was ready. Entering. I was ready to feel so uncomfortable and so poor. I was like, I'm ready to feel. Oh, 100. Like percent When I went, I went one time for a concert, and I didn't have a car, and I was just walking. I was the only person walking on Sunset Boulevard. I'm walking on Rojea Drive. People's just getting in their cars, and I'm just like, oh well, out here walking by myself. Yeah. So yeah. What I love, like, I'm really into like illusions and facades. So I was like, oh, LA. Yeah. Kind of like that. So yeah. Like that. It's so far out. Like, as in cool, or? No, no. <laughs> Far out? When it was in 1993? <laughs> what? No. Everything is so... <laughs> no. Everything is so spaced out. It's just yeah. like, God. See, everyone needs a car. That's what I thought I was going to be annoyed about, but I was like, honestly, I can go back to car culture. Like, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to... But also, too, like, you know, like, you go to a place on vacation is very different than, like, living in a place. True. Yes, so I understood true. that. I was like, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to, like, wake up early. Like, that's I, true. I was, like, living You didn't have in, to like, go through traffic. Right. Mm. I lived, like, 20 minutes away from, like, the beach. Ooh. Um, so I was just, like, going to the beach. I was going to, like, the Venice skate park all day and be like, I'm cool. Look, look at me. Look at all the cool kids in the skate, skateboarders. Yeah. yeah, like, what's the reality of the job you would have to have to afford that? I don't know. Place? I need to, like, uh, I don't know. I need to fall ass backwards into a bunch of money. <laughs> Because I'm like, it's expensive. It's a job so expensive. Need. Like, Portland is bad enough, but LA is a whole That's other. a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. I went to a Wii store, but I, I realized later that it was like the one bougie street. But I was like, I went to a, the first Wii store I went to 
was so expensive. I was like, what the fuck? Because also, I forgot about taxes being oh, like yeah. 20%. Right. Yeah. I was like 20%, but then I also went to this Wii store that was like intentionally expensive. It's called like Boutique. But then I went to other Wii stores later that was like way more like normal prices. Uh-huh. But I was okay. like, oh, I just went to the wrong Wii store first. <laughs> See, I guess that's one thing that's good about the OLCC mafia here of like price regulation. Mm-hmm. Well, I know they do it with liquor. Do they do it with marijuana here too? That there's a price regulation? I don't know about mm-hmm. that. But I feel yeah, like but we don't have cheaper. taxes though, so that's pretty oh, that's great. True. But also, because like they don't do this in Texas, but uh, in California, you can buy like uh, liquor at fucking grocery stores. Yes, you could do that in Seattle too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, like I, I mean, you Texas, can buy you can that. Do that you can do that. You can't here. do it. No, you can't. You can't like no, go no to like, liquor. You, you can't go to, like, Fred Meyers and buy, and beer. Like, Okay, in Port vodka. Townsend, they have liquor in grocery stores. But that's in Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I used to live in Seattle. I would go to CVS, pick up, like... <laughs> it would be, that let me blew get my, my medicine, mind. Yeah. let me get my toilet paper, let me get some Jack Daniels and some cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. The first place But I, I grew ever... up in Atlanta where they wouldn't sell liquor on, on Sundays. Sunday. That's, yeah, that's, that's a that. Texas thing, too. Yeah. yeah. Thing too. They still do that now? <clears throat> I think mm-hmm. they just ended that, right? In Texas is so... No, in Atlanta, they just yeah. ended that, like, within the last couple of years. I remember sometimes, oh. like, going to, like, gas stations, like, the doors being locked and being mm-hmm. like, we don't unlock that until, like, noon. I was like, I'm trying yeah. to get beer at 11 a.m. I'm trying to get messed up right like, now. Like, I'm buying it for... No, I'm, like, I'm just doing my errands for the day. Oh, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like two different stories. Two different stories. But I remember, because like, I think it was like, I was like a, a kid and I went to like, or not a kid, I was like old enough to drink. I mean, old enough to buy alcohol, I guess. <laughs> so different, different ages. Um, and like, I went to like Omaha, Nebraska, and like, that was the first place I went to where I could sell liquor. Like, we went to a Target and there was a fucking liquor aisle. I was like, what the? What? Like, liquor, liquor? Yeah, like liquor, liquor. In the Target? Yeah, and fucking, Ooh. I mean, but it's like Nebraska. What else are you going to get? Oh my God. I'm bad enough in a Target. Can you imagine? Can you imagine with liquor? Woo! <laughs> Wait, and if they had the little, what is it, the nips? Can you imagine? Oh, that it's would like... be amazing. <laughs> Damn, Target. I oh, can yeah, get Target duct Seattle, tape and furniture and some Hennessy. Yeah, just go to just go to Washington. It's right around the corner. You <laughs> yeah. can you live your dreams. The downside is you'd have to go to Washington though. Yeah, it wasn't too bad though. My Lyft driver was telling me like they're like I love Vancouver, but Vancouver, Washington, and like I never live in Portland. I was like I want I love life, so that's why I live in Vancouver, Washington. I was like. That, none of that makes sense to me. No. I'm like, okay. Mm-mm. Why was he so passionate? I don't know. I you, life. You, they're just like, fuck Portland, fuck the traffic. I was like, I just came back from LA. This isn't traffic. <laughs> Who is this guy? Is he like, running for mayor? Is he know. running for mayor of Vancouver? I don't, I don't think so. He sounds very like. But yeah, they're, yeah, like being like, I love life. That's why I live in Vancouver. And I was like, Whoa, I love life. Add up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I'm like I'm trying to like live life and enjoy life. I was like, okay. you know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, do you have any other questions for Christine? Uh, I think you have one last question on here. Oh yeah. Um, can you? I was curious if you could talk a little bit about your like um, clothing project or making sweatshirts and t-shirts. You have like sweatshirts and t-shirts on your like website. Oh, ha. Huh. Oh yeah. Sorry, just you're blank. Um. So that one. So I think t-shirts are like such a interesting form of communication because it's just like it just means something, right? Um, 
it's funny. And again, this is no shade to Portland by any means, but I met someone and he, he was joking about, he was like, oh, he wore this Portland gear and he's like, oh, I was going to get you a sweatshirt. And I was just like, why? You know, like when have you ever seen me like wear any sort of gear? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I always wear like New York stuff. And I'm just <laughs> like, you know, New York is home, you know? And it's like, I feel like t-shirts are just such a communication of like who people are and um, you know, what they're drawn to. And there's just so much space to do things, um, with tees. So, um, looking at some of these graphics that use black Americana, um, memorabilia, I think what blows my mind is that, um, someone intentionally designed it, you know, someone Mm -hmm. took time and color to choose color, to choose shade, to make things marketable. Um, to make to just dehumanize black people um so it's almost like this repurposing of using the graphics and the imagery and different things that they use and different elements of um these wordings and these graphics and putting them back in t-shirts and thinking about how i would design it mm-hmm. so for one um one of my favorite ones i mean i Favorite ones, I, I don't know, because it's just all weird. But um, there was an advertisement that said nigger milk. And it was an advertisement of a baby drinking ink. And it said nigger milk underneath it. So, that I don't know. That one just plagued me for a long time. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh, well, how would I talk about that? So, I did, like, these black-on-black designs with, like, applique and um, different placements and things like that. So, um those are some of the first times like people learned about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's effective for people to learn about things just in a different vehicle. So, um, one of the last ones I did was based off of this book called the Negro obese or the image of God. And, um, just took the direct graphics from the book and some of the language and put them on t-shirts People's like, how much are you selling these for? And I was just like, no one is walking down the street with a shirt that says the Negro, the beast of the image of God. I'm not Kanye. So uh, <laughs> we will just be holding that for, um, you know, for that moment in time. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to display them at the show, too, even though it's not um, directly related. I think it still speaks back to product and. Um, yeah speaks back to product and commercialization Mm. you know um i love kirby jean raymond from pierre moss and he wrote this article the business of fashion is now 499 and he talked about how um he talks about appropriation and he said this thing that said everything with blackness is not for sale you know we're gonna die black are you um and just different lines in that thing was just so spot on so you know if if who else is going to work with that type of stuff um in that way and process it from not so much from a place of hurt but it is hurtful to see those things or think about being in that time and imagining like seeing opening something and seeing yourself consistently portrayed as um in a certain light and i know people might think it's pretty um minimal for now but I mean those visual narratives and communications of making black people look lazy making us look like buffoons or less than um, it really did 
permeating people's minds. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to talk about just these different stories and simultaneously taking these stories back. So, yeah. Um, I know we had like talked a little bit about your like art origins earlier. Um, but um, is that like how you got into like sewing and clothing fabrication fabrication, or was that like some other um, impetus? Oh, well, I was always in the fashion industry. Um, even when I was working, even when I was trying to get this geography degree to be in the census office, I was working at Urban Outfitters. Oh. It's funny uh, being in New York and being at this age and talking to other people. It's just like, where did you work in school? And specifically, people who stayed in um, who stayed at stayed in the city to go to school. And it's just like there was the American Apparel girls, there was the Urban Outfitters girls, there was the Forever Twenty One girls. And we were all like just very different and still the same at the same time. But it was, it was just funny. But yeah, um, I worked at Urban during college. And then before that, I worked at Macy's. So mm-hmm. I was just always, always, always into clothes. So, I mean, I don't really know how to make clothes per se. I can make things like pillows and different things like that. But those t-shirts are all fabrications. So they're screen printed, they're laser cut applique pieces, um, so that's more of like a textile and surface design, which is what my background is in also. So when I went to school for geography and art, I worked in a showroom and then I went back for textile and surface design. So, yeah. So you have, you have a, like a really extensive um, background in graphic design. So I'm, I'm wondering about like the intersections. Cause like, um, as, you know, product of art school, sort of, um, there's, there's this constant conversation like happening of like the bifurcation and the stratification of design versus fine art. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering, like, do you, like, how do you feel about the, the binaries that like are like constantly trying to reinforce themselves in that regard? Um, in terms of design versus fine art and like in what ways do you feel that you kind of address that or not address that in your own work? Um, well, I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, I love being in that middle space to be honest. Um, and I actually loved going to art school. Mm -hmm. Granted, I went to a public one. So, cause my Mm -hmm. father was very clear. We cannot afford public, we cannot (laughs) afford private school. So you become to this public college um, and it was, it was still very esteemed and accredited, um, for the most part, but, um, so I don't think, and I have a point, I don't think someone, I think you can be self-taught mm-hmm. and also I think this value of being in spaces where people who have experience in this space can say your shit looks like trash or it needs to <laughs> change right that has happened a few times like working on something all night and my teacher is just like yeah this doesn't look like what you intended for it to look like um so I think it's something about that critique process that's great or like taking a class or just being in that um certain area Mm -hmm. but um it's interesting going to school for art and then going back for design and specifically with design, there's like certain rules and like mm-hmm. the rules made sense. Um, so like with textile design, um, sorry, let me just take this medicine real quick. Okay. Probably should have done that myself, but 
<laughs> Wait till I get home. But, um, sorry, I think I'm getting sleepy. That's why I sound like a frog. I mean, it is 10 but... <laughs> o'clock, full disclosure. So. But, um, so when we do like all over layouts, mm-hmm. this thing's to look out for, mm-hmm. like specifically channeling. Yeah. So there's ways that you lay out your work for it can make sense, right? There's there's color mm-hmm. theories and there's color. Um, there are particular rules there about rules. where the eye is drawn. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And some of it does go back to um, biology and like the way our eyes look at things or light sources and mm-hmm. um, things that make sense. Yeah. So um, again, what was the point? I think it's great to be in that middle space because mm-hmm. design is all about communication and rules and communication. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's things that... Are there rules that you don't necessarily agree with or subscribe to that you question within the design sphere? Yeah. I mean, I don't think... I don't think dark colors or blackness should always be... <laughs> Connected to masculinity um, or connected to evilness. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, That is a whole other conversation. (laughs) I don't think it should be. I don't think certain adjectives should should be connected to certain colors. Right. But Mm -hmm. in terms of like, I'm the funny thing is I'm not a graphic designer. I do graphic design, Mm -hmm. but um, there are hierarchies. Right. Like if you like making invitations or making. Um, certain things you, the most important thing you want it to be placed at a certain place you want it to be the biggest font you want it to be a color yeah. that you first draw into so I think there I think the rules of like where your eye is drawn um, is really important um, but yeah I think a lot of those like undertone rules are are what's you know um should be challenged Mm -hmm. or even thinking about like textile art right some Mm -hmm. people don't think textile art is like considered fine art so i think it's a question of of thinking about what rules are made and Mm -hmm. why they are Mm -hmm. you know um the eye thing and and certain things the colors that makes sense yeah that's a but i do think that that some of the reasoning behind the hierarchies of what art is considered fine and what art is not right are specifically connected to who is creating that work yeah yeah like textile art if you look at kind of like the gender lines and like the class lines Mm -hmm. you can see why it's not considered high art you know what i mean right and then it's like who makes who deems something as primitive art right there's so much othering when it comes to art rules quote-unquote or even Mm -hmm. design rules um, so, I mean, I guess the rules that I do is just doing whatever the hell I want to do, mm-hmm. to be honest. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. What Old Mr. Talking Trash About Shug. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. no more than a juke joint Jezebel. And now it's time for Sealy's Glass of Water, my segment for folks who are doing the absolute most with even less than the least. This one is a double-decker because I'm tired and everybody can get it, as far as I'm concerned. First of all, Dave Chappelle. At this point, this almost goes without saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You can go straight to cancellation hell. 
Now, granted, I haven't watched any of his Netflix specials since the first one. That was quite enough for me. But I have heard about them because every time he does one, it becomes the topic du jour on my timeline, much to my annoyance. And this one was no different. I heard he quadrupled down on the bigotry and transphobia, went off on a half-hour tangent, and even had the, had the audacity to invoke a trans friend to back up his hot takes. I just want Dave to shut the fuck up. Deep, deep down in my black heart, just shut the fuck up. You have all this, quote, genius and understanding of nuance and the power of words and celebrity and narrative framing when it comes to the racial politics of your own work, enough so to walk away from a substantial windfall in the early 2000s just because a white person laughed wrong at your jokes. But suddenly, your learning and processing is at a first grade level, actually less, quite frankly, when it comes to gender and sexuality. Get the entire fuck out of here with that bullshit. I wish you would just quit beating that drum because it's offbeat and outdated. But I know you probably won't because of your tired ass fans, which brings me to the second part of this. Next up, to all these motherfuckers who are caping for this rich cis man who spends his time complaining about marginalized folks who have the nerve to disagree with him just because he made y'all laugh back in 05, y'all can get the hell on right along with him. You can take your it's complicated on both sides logic and your I stand with Dave Facebook posts and staggering and frightening political blind spots and just fuck right off. I can't even help it, but my ire burns especially for black folks who should damn well know better. Gender roles and gender binaries have been used, specifically and explicitly, to enforce white supremacy throughout our lives, and long before, and after, and here y'all go, jumping on the bandwagon in service of what? Because it's not us, and it ain't you. Is you for black solidarity, or is you not? Because that includes all black folks, not just the ones who happen to fit into your questionable anti-black ideal of what society should look like. Sit the fuck down and stop talking. Your voice is irrelevant here. And that's all for now. So you're supposed to say something about what I just said. Hell yeah, Melanie. That's very informative. I didn't know that. <laughs> all right. I can't believe that. That's some bullshit. All right, and now it's your turn. Just a facts with Max. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Simone Biles is an American artistic gymnast with a combined total of 32 Olympic and World Championship medals. Biles is tied as the most decorated gymnast of all time. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Wow, really? That's insane. Who knew? Yeah. Um, hopefully now all of our listeners. <laughs> and now it's on to parting words. Wait, you have something here for listener comments and reviews. Was there something that came in? No, you put that in there. I didn't put that in there. Okay. Those are your notes. All right. <laughs> your handwriting. All right, so, <laughs> Max, you want to go first with parting um, words? Um, sure. Um, first off, as always, um, thank you to my co-host, Melanie Stevens. It's always a pleasure podcasting with you, arting with you, NTPing with you. Um, and of course, thank you to our amazing guest, Christine Miller. It's mm -hmm. been amazing having you here, talking with you. Um, all the conversations we've had, the hanging out, um, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun and very informative. And it's been great to hear more about you and your art process and learn about you. And I'm excited for all your upcoming projects. And now... Um, 
Maximiliano rebooting. Re- <laughs> Shut up! Don't look at me. Maximiliano rebooting circa twenty twenty two. Me or All right. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Thank you, Max. Um. For everything that you do. Um. I am. I feel really grateful to know you. Um. I feel that I'm constantly learning things about um, ways of reimagining the world um, and thinking about the big picture of things through you and through your like youthful exuberance. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, some of which I think that NTP benefits from heavily in terms of like your ability to ask for more and to really sort of establish a value for like what we want and what we need. And I really appreciate that. Um, we'll talk more about that later as things become more concrete, but really cool things are happening just because of like your ability to like think big and to really establish and demand value, um, for what NTP is. So thank you for that. Um, Christine, thank you so much for like spending time with us on this random Friday to talk about your art practice and just being so like generous and thoughtful and amazing. And um, some of which was not captured via the podcast. I know. So. I'm like, we should have like, done podcasts. <laughs> about to end, I'm like... yeah and thank you for staying up late with us um you know we don't want to monopolize your time um but pleasure was mine yeah that was this was an amazing conversation and like a really great like um first start back after our hiatus (laughs) so yes um and we will leave the final parting words to you well first off far out (laughs) <laughs> I should have saved that to the end, but like, I just couldn't help it. But yeah, this is such a, a beautiful conversation. And I think that's why community is super important. Like, you know, um, just, it was an energy exchange mm-hmm. and even thinking about multiply, I was trying to figure out a way to, uh, talk about the non or talk about the platonic ways of multiplying. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I don't want it to just seem like oh yeah, um, multiplying just means reproduce, right? Multiplying yeah. can also mean gathering. And that was something that they didn't allow us to do. I mm-hmm. mean, even now, right? Like, I seeing, mean, it's still, you it's still, still see it happening prominent. in boardrooms. And yeah, like, completely. Yeah. And I think, like we was talking about in terms of neutralization, having teams of all white people is very neutral. You wouldn't think twice about it or blink an eye, right? But even with all this DNI work and spaces... Um, you would never see an all black team from beginning to end. That's mm-hmm. just something that's just so such an anomaly, even in DNI, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, I think, yeah, that was just really um profound and and just in that moment, it was just like, oh my god, that was it. So thank you so much for that, and I'll be a little more confident talking <laughs> one of these Fridays, but um. Yeah, it's important for us to multiply. It's important for us to gather and come together. So, 
yeah, thank you for this any energy exchange. So, yeah, we just got to do it again, whether it's not podcast or not. Whenever y'all have vodka, I'll bring the, <laughs> I'll bring the chaser and and some sweet potatoes or something. Ooh, okay. So yeah, right. just invite me over for lunch one day and we could shoot the shit. Okay. So, far out. <laughs> far out. Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Sorry, we went so late. <laughs>